Hi, and welcome to Lunch Break Live, a series of conversations with holistic health providers and others um, where we discuss different holistic approaches to health and wellness. I'm Katie Sullivan, and I'm actually adding this in editing because once again, I boofed the opening of this and I didn't put record at the right time. So I thought I'd give a little introduction for the people who are catching this as um, a recording. So um, just to introduce those of us who will be speaking today, I'm Katie Sullivan. I'm a family nurse practitioner who specializes in working with medical cannabis patients to optimize their uh, treatments, especially uh, love working with kids, people with hard to manage conditions, people that um, have tried a lot of other options and really want to go for it with cannabis as a treatment option to manage pain or neurologic conditions or many other things. Um, so this is where you can reach me. I'm one of the owners of Modern Compassionate Care. Um, I provide telehealth and in-person consultations with patients, um, and I work alongside uh, my other host, Beth Lupo. She is a licensed clinical professional counselor. She um, provides therapies for people of all ages, kids, adults, couples, families, um, and uh, she's currently in a graduate program learning about psychedelic um, psychiatric medicine, basically, um, at the Integrative Psychiatric Institute, IPI. Um, so I'm hoping that we are going to have that as a topic coming up and talking about if any of you have specific questions for Beth about any of that, please reach out. Um, Beth can be also reached at Modern Compassionate Care. Here's her contact info. And our final host is Sarah Rose Sykes-Goldsmith. So Sarah is just a lovely person and a lovely presence. Um, she provides one-on-one -on -one holistic wellness coaching for patients. Uh, she really um, works with people, you know, to meet their own goals based on, you know, their circumstances, their life. Um, you know, we're so grateful to have her here doing this series of conversations with us. She brings a really great point of view um, about, you know, incorporating a lot of these practices we talk about in small ways in our daily lives. She has so many gems to share with us. So um, I'm really grateful that she's here doing this with us. So this is the three of us and our topic for today, um, care of the endocannabinoid system. So the endocannabinoid system is a master regulatory communication system in our body. Um, its primary role is maintaining homeostasis, it, the function of your endocannabinoid system affects all your body systems, and it's responsible for regulating things like mood, appetite, uh, your digestion, immune function, inflammation, sleep, um, your nervous system function, so many more vital processes in the body. Um, your endocannabinoid system is um, vital in your, you know, brain development and body development in utero when you, you know, when you were just you know developing as a human and it plays a role throughout our entire lives um, you know and as we get older it becomes more important to support our endocannabinoid system so um, basically you know today's conversation I'm going to give a brief rundown about the system and how it works um, a little bit of history 
And then we're going to move into a discussion on ways that you can keep your endocannabinoid system functioning at an optimal level. <clears throat> so, um, you know, Beth, Sarah, Rose, and I will talk about diet, movement, lifestyle practices that are going to promote reduced stress and how that's been shown to improve endocannabinoid tone. Um, and, you know, I'll talk a little bit about um, cannabis and how that can be used to help balance and support your endocannabinoid system. But we also talk about supplements and a lot of um, non-cannabis ways that you can be supporting this vital system. And I think, you know, understanding it is key. So um, I'll stop rambling on this now, but without further ado, um, let's just launch into it. Um, I wanted to say one last thing is that we have uh, attached all of the resources that we've talked about, and we really want these conversations to be accessible to all the different people who are listening in, whether, you know, patients, people just curious about cannabis, um, other medical practitioners and healthcare providers. So um, we're gonna we're gonna provide a lot of things, but um, we also don't want to forget the basics. So I'm including um, some updated slides with some more information in the um, presentation slides that I've attached. We have um, links to different resources, and I'm including like a basic definitions page as well. And I'm gonna be doing more of that so that you know I, this content is relevant to a wide audience. So. Um, Again, without further ado, here we go. Care of the endocannabinoid system. Here we go. Okay. Now I'm going to share my screen with you and show you some of these slides I made. Okay. I'm pull that off and share this. Sorry. Okay. So what is the endocannabinoid system? I'm keeping this real simple, guys. In simple terms, it's made up of these three parts. The cannabinoid receptors, which act like a lock, the main two ones we'll talk about today, CB1 and CB2. Endocannabinoids, these are the molecules. Um, they're ligand binding agents in our body that act as keys at those receptor locks and then um, enzymes that degrade these endocannabinoids. So this, this little sequence, the opening of the lock and then the degradation of these endocannabinoids is something that happens in seconds. Um, so I'm gonna kind of go into it and go through kind of what the history is and explain a little bit further about these terms. If you guys have questions, please ask in the chat um, and you know I'll just get going. So, Back in the 60s, this is when we first discovered, and not we, but this great man, Raphael Mishulam, which he's been um, kind of the, the grandfather of all of this science. His team isolated first CBD, cannabidiol, and then Delta 9 THC, identifying it as the psychoactive compound in cannabis or the thing that gets you high. So we didn't know much about this system at all. We knew nothing about it. We knew that if someone ingested this plant, they would have these effects and get high. So that's where it all started. But um, the endocannabinoid is so much more than that. And like we mentioned, you do not have to use cannabis to, to be having an active endocannabinoid system. So it started with this, but the point of the whole system is not cannabis, but um, this regulatory mechanism that our body has. So Back in the 60s, you know, this is all we knew. It took until 1988 to actually understand that there was a receptor system involved in um, 
making cannabis work in the body. We didn't understand really anything. Throughout the 70s and 80s, people were throwing out different ideas like, you know, maybe they work like steroids. Maybe, you know, this is hormonal based. Um, so this is Alan Howlett. I just wanted to show a picture of her. People a lot of times assume that that's a man. Um, it's a woman. This was her team. Um, and basically they identified that there was a receptor system involved and they identified the first um, CB1 receptor, this cannabinoid receptor lock that's in um, very high quantities in our central nervous system. Um, and that because of that, it being in our brain, this is why THC was actually causing a high in people when they ingested it. So um, basically, if you see this little image, you can see the red are the CB1 receptors. There's also the CB2 receptor that I mentioned. So the CB1 receptors, they're primarily in the nervous system and the CB2 receptors are kind of throughout the rest of the body organs, especially on immune cells. Um, they, they're very important for inflammation and immune activity. So the CB2 receptors were identified in 1993. And like I said, the CB1 in 1988. So this is all, really new science. Um, and so we had identified the locks and at the same time in this early nineties, this, you know, there's kind of the explosion in science. We also discovered the keys, the keys that we make. So, like I said, these are endogenous ligands. They're made in the body and they're, um, little substances that bind to receptors to cause activity in the body. So anandamide was the first one discovered also, um, Raphael Meshulam, his team discovered that and they named it after the word ananda, which in Sanskrit means inner bliss. Um, and then just a few years later, they discovered the second um, 2AG. So these are the keys that, you know, our body makes them on demand in response to environmental stimuli, um, either, you know, external or internal. So just to have a definition. So like I was saying, endocannabinoids, the, they act like keys, these endogenous ligands, um, and they work in the receptor locks. Anandamide and 2-AG are the, um, the ones we know the most about. They're not stored in the body. They're produced as needed. And like I was saying at the beginning, that within you know seconds, they're produced, they bind, create their effect, and then they're degraded by enzymes. And so they're gone out of our body. Um, so the enzymes, you'll probably, you know, um, see this in maybe some of the other slides are known as FAAH and um, MAGL, mag lipase. So um, these are all important mechanisms to regulate the system in our body. Um, those are the endocannabinoids. Phytocannabinoids are the cannabinoids made in plants that we know in the cannabis plant, most notably, but also found in echinacea cacao, there's actual endocannabinoids in chocolate, um, and also mushrooms have been found to, to produce these. Um, so they're so structurally similar to the endocannabinoids that we produce, they're able to function as keys at these locks as well. And they produce a huge range of physiologic effects. As we know, uh, cannabis is really helpful for a wide variety of conditions. So phytocannabinoids include THC and CBD, delta-9 tetracannabinol, the, the famous uh, component that gets you high that Raphael Meshulam identified in 64 and cannabidiol, which, um, you know, it acts a little bit differently in the body. We can definitely do a deeper dive on this at another time. So if you guys have any um, interest in that, let us know in the chat. We'll like create another more uh, focus on this 
you know, but right now I just want to keep it simple. Then there's synthetic cannabinoids, cannabinoids. Those are created in a lab. So this is going to be those things you hear about in the news, K2, spice, the street drugs, stay away from them. They're associated with cardiac, um, <laughs> Beth's laughing Great at me. Stay, just stay away from them. They're, um, you know, the cardiac toxicities, negative mental health outcomes. Um, they're not regulated. Um, but there's other synthetic cannabinoids like Marinol, which is a widely used synthetic form of THC given to patients with chemo induced nausea and vomiting. So, um, you know, not all synthetic cannabinoids are bad, but definitely avoid the ones you can find on the street. So those are, this is the keys, the, the cannabinoids. Now, again, how does this work? Um, basically what happens is we're looking at um, a synapse, which is the space between two neurons, two nerve cells. So you, you have the presynaptic, which they misspelled that. Sorry, I stole this graphic, did not make that. The presynaptic neuron before the synapse and the postsynaptic neuron coming after the, the synapse. So what happens is you can see in the middle of this image, there are these yellow circles, which are the neurotransmitters. So they could be things like um, you know, dopamine or acetylcholine in our body and they, they're messengers that send messages from one cell to the next. So that's how the communication is happening in our brain and nervous system. So this presynaptic cell does something that's called depolarization and it becomes active and it starts firing these neurotransmitters across sort of like a game of telephone from one receptor to the next, letting them know the message. So let's say the message is pain. This is um, you know, one of the things that endocannabinoid system is um, in charge of is nociception, the perception of pain. So the, the, the presynaptic cell is telling the postsynaptic cell pain, pain, pain. And so what happens usually, you know, it's, it's the message is going one way. It's from one neuron to the next. Now the endocannabinoid system works in this retrograde signaling fashion. So what that means is you can see the lipid per precursors, which are these fat cells, they start producing endocannabinoids and the endocannabinoids travel back across the synapse from the postsynaptic cell to the presynaptic cell. So in that way, it's allowing backwards communication to let them know, okay, stop firing. So this is in one way that, you know, pain is moderated by the endocannabinoid system, telling the cells ahead of it, hey, stop signaling. We got it. We want to reduce this pain signal. And so um, it works in a similar way to say a thermostat or a circuit breaker, if that makes sense. It's a self-regulating system that, you know, when it no when it gets overstimulated in the presynaptic cell, the postsynaptic cell produces these messengers, the cannabinoids, the keys that attach to the lock, the lock opens and it tells the, the cell, the presynaptic cell to calm down. So, um, you know, that's basically how it works. They figured this out about around 2000. So, um, you know, we're learning more and more. So, you know, basically this is what the, the ECS does. Homeostasis. Its responsibility is to balance metabolic processes and optimize the activity in our body. It plays a crucial role in regulating our physiology, our mood, and our day-to-day -day experiences. So it regulates functions like relaxation, sleep, mood, energy balance and metabolism, um, reproduction, uh, it actually 
it's totally involved in even in a neonate in someone, you know, a, a baby developing in utero has a endocannabinoid system that's responding to messages from endocannabinoids being released by the mother's uterus. Um, you know, pain response, the autonomic nervous system, regulation of temperature, immune system response to stress. You know, that's one of the main things that I think um, I see a lot of, and I think is such a important, you know, thing that we have a lot of people, and we're going to be talking about this next month, dealing with chronic stress, uh, chronic trauma. And so what happens in our body when we are stressed, um, we get in that fight or flight mode. So the sympathetic nervous system takes over and the uh, body starts releasing cortisol, the stress hormone. Well, cortisol and corticosterone, another stress hormone that's in there, they in turn will kick in the production of endocannabinoids to try to balance the stress. So you can see how our body is so smart and regulating. So we're in fight or flight mode and we need to transition. If we're not in a situation when we're in danger, how do we move back from fight or flight to rest and digest the uh, autonomic nervous system where we want our body to be most of the time? And the endocannabinoid system is one of the things that helps us do that by, um, you know, producing endocannabinoids in response to these stress hormones. And um, in our amygdala, which is the fear center in our brain, where a lot of this fight or flight uh, cascade starts, it's loaded with CB1 receptors. So, you know, it makes complete sense. The CB1 receptors get saturated, be they become deactivated, the amygdala calms down, and we go back into, you know, our autonomic nervous system taking over and helping us relax. So, um, you know, this is just a basic kind of thing what the ECS does. Uh, you know, moving forward in the research, we're looking at a lot of things now. There's a few definitions, which I didn't even make a slide for, but, you know, um, we started getting a few theories I want to talk about. One is like the entourage effect. It's just a theory right now, but that's um, something having to do with, the the phytocannabinoids, right? So think about, um, we were talking about CBD, THC, all the other cannabinoids that are in the body. So, you know, early 2000s, we started to think about how these things work together. And Ethan Russo, this doctor came up with a theory that, um, you know, this entourage effect is one of the um, important parts of ECS function, which is when we are using, um, you know, the cannabis, this is if you're using cannabis as a way to, you know, balance your ECS, that the way that the cannabis plant is created with all of these different keys that kind of fit different receptors in our body working together, that's what, you know, produces kind of like these unique effects. And, um, you know, it's interesting. It's something that we're still debating right now. So like the, the entourage effect, um, we need more research. The other thing that we came to learn about is something called endocannabinoid tone, which is the endocannabinoid systems, basically how it's functioning in your body, how many receptors there are, how good is your production of the endocannabinoids and what is uh, your situation with the enzymes? Do you have a deficiency? Is um, Do you have too much of the enzymes breaking down the endocannabinoids too fast? So um, the idea of optimizing endocannabinoid tone 
came out in the last 15 years, I would say. Um, and uh, we'll also share another article with you guys about endocannabinoid deficiency, which that's another theory from Dr. Russo. And um, we, we've been able to basically see that there's certain disorders that are associated with lower endocannabinoid tone, lower endocannabinoid levels like IBS, fibromyalgia, chronic migraine. Um, we found this in autism, in PTSD. So if you're dealing with a chronic condition, you know, even chronic pain and having that stress on your body all the time can have an impact on your body where you get sort of a supply and demand mismatch between your body's ability to produce these endocannabinoids and how much you actually need for the amount of stress you're under. So one way, you know, to, to supplement that is through cannabis. And that's, you know, as a cannabis clinician, that's kind of what I do. So, you know, I, I, I really always think that, um, you know, that's a, that's a good option to explore. If you have one of these conditions, if, you know, typical things aren't exactly helping you, you know, you've been through the normal, you know, regimen that your doctor's given you, none of these prescriptions are helping, you may have an endocannabinoid deficiency. So that's something that, you know, we work with patients here to kind of try to uh, figure out if, if they're low, if they're deficient and help them use THC and CBD to um, both kind of, I think of THC is almost a one-to-one -one supplement for that anandamide. Like it will fill in the gaps for you. It can help when it comes to pain, when it comes to sleep, nausea, appetite, um, and CBD, um, can increase the number of receptors in your body. It can, uh, prevent the release of these enzymes or kind of inhibit the enzymes that break down our endocannabinoids. So allowing for more endocannabinoids throughout the body. Um, and it can also boost your own endocannabinoid production. So, um, my, you know, my recommendation actually is, you know, if you have a chronic condition, supplementing definitely with CBD and possibly with THC is a really good idea. Um, and I think actually the last slide is just for the next one. Okay, let's go. All right, I'm bringing us back. So, stop share. Here we go. Okay, so I hope that wasn't too much. What do you guys think? Um, let's check the chat. Does anyone have questions about that? I just kind of threw out a lot of information, but that's that's the basics of the endocannabinoid system. Now, there's a lot of benefits for optimizing the endocannabinoid tone, and there's a lot of ways to do this that don't involve cannabis. So Sarah Rose, I'd like you to start talking about how you work with your clients to optimize their endocannabinoid system using a variety of techniques. Take it away. Sure. So um, in my practice as a health coach through Sarah Rose Botanicals, I support people around life work balance, um, nourishment, self-compassion, and stress reduction, things of that nature. So stress reduction is actually one of the main ways that we can support our endocannabinoid system. And there are a number of different ways to reduce stress. So at the beginning of our practice, 
practice today. We did a little bit of breath work. That can be a simple way to regulate the autonomic nervous system so we can just kind of slow down a little bit. Um, I like to take a whole person approach with my coaching. So supporting emotional well-being, spiritual well-being, physical well-being, kind of all of these different pillars of life that are really, uh, really supportive and important to ourselves. Um, one of the takeaways that I had from doing some of my research preparing for the conversation today is this um, kind of three-pronged approach to working with the endocannabinoid system, which is weeding, um, how is it, weeding, seeding, and feeding. So um, just to kind of give an overview there, weeding would be like working to reduce stress. Another aspect of that could be working to balance the hormones. So maybe minimizing disruptions to our endocrine system, either through food inputs or um, exposure to things like pesticides or um, other toxicity that can be part of our everyday environment, whether that's dyes or plastics or things like that, that can really be a deeper dive um, in terms of kind of cleaning up your environment uh, with that type of toxicity. But that's one of the approaches to um, supporting the endocannabinoid system. And then seeding the endocannabinoid system is around promoting healthy lifestyle. So that can include stress reduction, exercise, nutrition, things like that. And then the feeding part is endocannabinoid system enhancers. So that can be working with probiotics, prebiotics, herbs, and teas. So before um, going deeper into that, again, there's this three-pronged approach if we are to work specifically with endocannabinoid health, and that's going to be weeding out the things that kind of encourage dysregulation in our system, seeding the boosting of our endo endocannabinoid system through stress reduction and other things that help us to balance out our nervous system, and then feeding it through things that can really support that. Um, shall I go deeper now, or is that a good time to pause? I like love that, and I really appreciate the the wording. I thought you were going to say weeding was like adding CBD and THC <laughs> to the to the uh, to the cocktail necessary, but it makes perfect sense the way you explained it. And I think that's such like absolutely what we do in therapy on a psychological, emotional level. And I really appreciated the slide and the explanation of the relationship and the synaptic response in the endocannabinoid system, because so much of like, I mean, it's just such a fitting metaphor for so much of what we do in therapy is about kind of like evaluating what is being put out and the relational response that's coming back in and what our patterns have been and how we can support and add things. I really like the idea of adding things in and as opposed to always focusing on like what we need to stop and what we need to do better at and kind of shame-based feelings about, you know, healthcare, whereas, you know, adding in things that supplement and kind of make a change in the relational experience right down to your synapses is just a really fascinating way to look at, you know, that kind of outside in and inside out approach to taking care of yourself on every level. I thought that was very interesting. 
I, I love the, I love the weeding, feeding and seeding. And it is like what you're saying, like to me, the way the endocannabinoid system works is so beautiful. It's such a, like, it's, it's such a great, I don't know, almost like metaphor, like this self-regulating moving back to homeostasis, like we can learn so much from our own body and how it does that. It's so intuitive and it's so, you know, brilliant. And I think, yes, I'm interested for you to say, say more about how we can support our endocannabinoid system to be like top functioning, you know, or who we are. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, um, I feel like I'm, you know, getting into my zone here because it's a lot of this is like pulling things together and feeding off of each other and building with each other. And when I'm working with clients, that's exactly what we're doing. I don't come from a prescriptive model. It's really understanding where the person is at, what's going on in their lives, how to work with the strength-based approach. And just like Beth highlighted, really adding things in. And so this approach, which I didn't come up with myself, um, is just something that I came across and I thought, oh, this is pretty succinct. It doesn't have to be uh, linear, just like healing is non-linear. And so you can always feed your system. Um, you can always introduce stress reduction at any time. Um, the, the, the caveat there being when we do kind of talk about things like prebiotics and probiotics and gut health, sometimes there can be um, a process and maybe even a systematic approach that is most supportive, which is like, maybe we need to make sure that if you're introducing um, probiotics, that they're feeding, you know, healthy gut bacteria and not feeding a gut imbalance. So on a person to person level, of course, we, you know, we need to be nuanced to what's going on with the individual, just like being mindful of what people's lifestyle already looks like physical capacity, um, medication regimen and that type of thing. And so um, I will just work with my notes here because uh, I want to make sure that I, that I get some of these highlights. And one of the things that I thought was really um interesting to link back to this clinical endocannabinoid deficiency is that studies have been done with victims of um, 9-11 and uh, who have been impacted by post-traumatic stress and studies found that their uh, endocannabinoid system was deficient. And so that's just one particular study where we can see how chronic stress and trauma and post-traumatic stress might disrupt our endocannabinoid system. And so if you're somebody who's experienced that or supporting somebody who's experienced that, just even having that information and connecting stress level back to body function can be um, really helpful. Just, just again, for that holistic um, approach. And in terms of stress reduction, there are so many different things that people can do. And so I think it's really important for people to feel empowered and like their practices are accessible. So one of the reasons I like breath work is because if you're living, you can do it. And maybe you wouldn't want to do some type of intense breath work because of your, you know, lung capacity, or maybe you've been a victim of a fire and had, you know, smoke inhalation or something like that, or maybe you're pregnant. So again, we always need to tailor our approach to make sure it makes sense, just like with cannabis use, um, but breath work can be a great way to reduce stress. 
acupuncture, if you're somebody who likes that, has also been studied where um, people who have received acupuncture were shown to have increased levels of anandamide in their blood. Acupuncture can also support your HPA, which is your hypothalamic pituitary access, which helps to reduce the amount of cortisol that's released, which can affect our health. Also um, encouraging mental clarity. Another stress reduction thing can be low impact exercise that also kind of crosses over into lifestyle. So actually, if you were feeling anxious about your workout, or you've got a really rigorous workout, or maybe even you're dealing with some kind of negative self-talk in your workout, like you better get this done. You better get up, you know, rather than like, I can do it. I'm so strong. I'm going to, you know, finish this walk. Um, the way that we engage in our practices also affects the way that our endocannabinoid system responds. I was recently learning that orgasm can also support the endocannabinoid system. Massage can support the endocannabinoid system. And these are things that can involve self-touch. So there's a lot of ways that we can kind of self-regulate and we don't need to seek outside support. Although when we're in a state of overwhelm, um, often we do need some support to kind of have that guidance and accountability as a way to get back in. Sugar is another interesting one in terms of the endocannabinoid system. So no shame here. And we just learned chocolate is actually really supportive for the ECS. Dark chocolate is a great way to go. Um, but sugar can actually create, uh, create overactivity in the CB1 receptor. And there was a study done with mice. And so this overactivity in the CB1 receptor can prevent the secretion of amino acids, which are really the building blocks for total health. So while sugar might reduce stress because you are not being restrictive or you're enjoying a wonderful meal. Also kind of that balance of input is something that we want to keep in mind as the ECS is really all about balance. And then, um, you know, sometimes when we get into a sugar cycle, then things can spiral where we might have cravings and then feel out of control. And then um, that can be demotivating or other emotional factors set in or even other factors like inflammation and things like that, where, you know, we really might kind of have that situation escalate. So moderation is always great. Leafy greens, um, any type of green, you know, more colors is, is a great way to go. Um, but leafy greens activate the CB2 receptors and that supports gut health and the gut brain axis. So that's a little bit on the um, nutritional side of things omega fatty acids, which can be sourced in food, but also can be sourced in supplements like a hemp seed oil capsule or a hemp, hemp hearts, which are basically the shelled hemp seeds. Um, those can also create some of these building blocks. And then um, when we're thinking about things like nutrition and um, herbs and whatnot, plant compounds that can serve as antioxidants can protect our endocannabinoids or um, decrease how quickly the cannabinoids that we introduce in our system degrade. So some of this nutritional piece really promotes how the cannabinoids function in our body, how long they're able to circulate in our system and how quickly they or slowly they're broken down and then kind of with this reuptake. So um, I think as maybe a, 
a point to transition us here. Um, cannabis is, is a great way to kind of touch all of those bases, reducing stress, lifestyle, motivation, things like that. Um, but also other plant friends. So mushrooms may be not necessarily um, psychotropic or hallucinogenic mushrooms, but mushrooms such as um, lion's mane, which promotes cognition, which can also help to reduce inflammation in the brain and reduce plaque in the brain might be a nice supportive one. Uh, tea has catechins in it. And then also essential oils are a great way to go. So part of the benefits of cannabinoids is, or excuse me, not can, cannabinoids, but cannabis is this um, full spectrum profile that it has containing all of these different aspects, but especially um, terpenes. And so if we're not able to get a concentrated source of terpenes from our cannabis and introducing things like essential oils is a great way to kind of meet that need. And so um, I offer that because while cannabis can be a great wraparound, sometimes we're in a life stage or in a circumstance where we, you know, might have different access or need to be selective. And so we can always look to the ways that cannabis supports health function. And then what are other ways that we can support some of that health function? So some of that is going to be lifestyle and um, plant-based foods. And, uh, and also another big one is laughter. So having a sense of humor is really great. And, you know, sometimes it's like laugh about it or cry about it. And those things are pretty similar to tears are pretty healing. Um, but yeah, if you can catch a laugh, just know that you're doing yourself a world of good there. Totally. I, you know, I love that. There was like an article and I I'll share it with everybody where it was, you know, kind of, and this was about cannabis too, uh, how cannabis causes laughter and giggling, but how beneficial it is for us to actually have that. And how, how many times are we so bogged down that we go long periods of time without actually laughing, you know, and, and some of us are more prone to that than others. And I think that, you know, it's so easy to do something healthy for yourself. All you got to do is laugh, you know, and I, I love this as we were talking about, you know, kind of some dietary stuff, I'll throw in one thing. So I've, I've been taking this lately. This is PEA. PEA is a, a endocannabinoid like substance that is natural to our body. And that's something that, um, you know, it's not cannabis, but it does, help your endocannabinoid system. It's been shown to reduce inflammation. It's been shown to improve mood. And, um, you know, so this is something that like you were saying, Sarah, you know, maybe if cannabis isn't part of your life right now, this is something that's a really good supplement for your endocannabinoid system as well as CBD, but, um, it's, it's called PEA and you want to get this. Um, it's the, the form you want to get is, um, what is it called? Micronized is actually what it's called. So that, that there's a couple forms, but like this, um, I'll, I'll put a link, link for it, but that's a good supplement. The other one that I was thinking of that stimulates the endocannabinoid system is curcumin, which is from turmeric. It's actually the compound that gives turmeric its bright color. And that also stimulates the endocannabinoid system. There was a, an interesting study showing um, supplementation Reduce with curcumin reduced depression. It's a great neuroanti-inflammatory. I'd say about a thousand milligrams a day of that is um, a good thing to throw in your diet or, you know, you know, 
of course, you know, ingesting turmeric, but um, I think a better way to maybe even get curcumin for this purpose is to take a um, supplement for that. So uh, those are my two suggestions, uh, but um, you know, actually one more, I know I've pitched this product before. This is another cannabis one. So this is this 1906 bliss drops. It has CBD. It has THC. It has something else though. That is another, um, it's a Chinese kind of used in Chinese medicine, Magnolia officinalis, and that also stimulates the endocannabinoid receptors. So I like this company. These people made a good little product here and, um, they were thoughtful about what they put in it, but you can, you know, again, if you, if you want to skip the CBD and THC, the, um, Magnolia officinalis is a nice supplement as well that directly stimulates your endocannabinoid system. Both of you brought it with some really hard, uh, <laughs> not definitions. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? I can't even say it. Um, you had one too earlier. Like, oh, I don't know if I could have pronounced that pronunciation. Oh God. Sorry. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm using a lot of abbreviations. So besides that, um, yeah, I think that that's, you know, those are some ingestible ways that we can do it, but like Beth, what some about of the, the things that I was really researching too, was, um, you know, kind of this experience that folks have with CBD or THC in terms of it's, and let me see if I get this one, right anxiolytic effects, the yes. anxiety reducing effects of CBD, THC. And sometimes that, that can, ex people can have the experience on THC where it is anxiety producing, where there is like some paranoia involved. And some of the research that I was looking at really talked about, and Sarah, when you were talking about sugar is like the same kind of thing, like a bell shaped curve, physical response to THC, for instance, that it can be very anxiety provoking, and it can also be extremely anxiety reducing. And we really have to look at dose, maybe set and setting and kind of how you are using it and the mindfulness that goes on with supplementing any of these things. And really it is the perfect metaphor because the ECS, as you so like explained so well, is this master regulator. It is this, it interacts with all of the systems. I've done a lot of research, a lot more research on the ANS, the autonomic nervous system. And so many of the things that the research talks about supporting the ECS are also what we suggest to support the ANS. And your experience of being in that fight flight freeze response in response to a perceived threat is kind of like the ways that you bring that down and bring yourself out of that. Because in most cases we're adults, we are not actually in danger, but we can have that physical response. And we understand that through our ANS needing to be brought back into a stage where you don't think you are in threat um, are a lot of the similar things, cold exposure, one of the tips that I picked up that I love and I've been using with my kids, it's like ice pack on the chest when you feel that like panic, anxious feeling. And the research is there too, that it supplements the ECS as well. Um, yoga running the endocannabinoid system has been associated with the runner's high and really explaining things that we have kind of come around. And it's kind of like you explained with the researcher. It's like, we were trying to figure out why cannabis was helpful and throwing a lot of spaghetti at the wall. And some of it makes sense, right? We are so focused on the, the high aspect of it, but really that's just 
a byproduct of its attempt and its ability to provide this additional recept, um, this additional like balancing mechanism to a stressed system. Um, and that made me think too of um, the support for folks with um, PTS. I actually, I've recently read an article too about um, thinking about PTSS instead of PTSD, post-traumatic stress syndrome, as opposed to a disorder. Um, and that the sort of like the memory aspects that are sometimes negative with THC can actually be a part of the anxiety, like the like lowering of an intensity of a memory, the lowering of an intensity of a rumination, sort of providing a little bit of like an anesthetic to that, again, heightened activity that you might be experienced in response to perceived threat. In therapy a lot, we're looking at patterns and relationships and learned responses from childhood and kind of experiencing those same triggers and reactions in our adulthood that we need to attune to and connect with so that we can actually, you know, have some agency in changing our response. And so many of these things are such an amazing supplement to your body and your mental health. Cause sometimes, you know, therapy isn't necessarily always conducive. I'm Sarah, I like to talk about different stages of life, like different times in our life, we need different things. We have space for different things. Um, so I think that the engagement too, and just the education of learning this just really helps people make those connections and be more mindful. And that even just identifying, we all have an ECS, like who knew, right? I did not. <laughs> so I'm so glad to be around folks that can explain it to me like, like, like you all have, because it's knowing that will help be, I think, produce those positive effects when you know you're taking care of yourself and can put like an understanding and science behind how we are feeling, responding and experiencing the world. It, yeah, it makes so much sense. I, I really think like, you know, as, as we're looking at, like you're saying, all of these things, we're managing our health, we're managing our mental health, we're managing the stress in our life. It's the endocannabinoid system that's assisting you to do that. And, and it's smart too. It will learn. So like, for example, I get nervous talking. Like every time we do one of these, I get nervous. And so they say though, like the best way to get over something is to practice it. But the endocannabinoid system's actually part of that as each time I would get up and I speak, it's not just that I'm getting used to it and I'm getting acclimated. It's my endocannabinoid system is knowing how much cortisol gets produced stress because of the stress that I'm feeling and knows to produce more endocannabinoid system. So the first time, maybe not get it. The second time going to produce a little more. The third time it's been shown that it will produce more because it's learning you and it knows what's going on. It knows the situation. So even in these, you know, it's so smart and it is that master regulator that it's, it's astounding that, you know, and I, I think there's, you know, several people in here that are in the healthcare field that are listening right now in the chat. Did you learn about the endocannabinoid system in your program? Um, I didn't, and I'm not, I, you know, I finished my graduate program in 2018, so it hasn't been that long. And, you know, at, you know, at, that's why I kind of wanted to go through the history, letting you know, it's, it's recent, but it's not that recent that so many people don't know about it. So, um, you know, the ECS, it, it, it is, you know, it's incredibly important and it's something that it's just not being talked about 
nearly enough. And so, you know, and, and the fact of the matter is, you know, we are so focused on the cannabis plant that it's really like the point of the ECS is not cannabis. The point of the ECS is homeostasis. It's regulating our body. And so, um, you know, I just think that that's really interesting. Yeah. So I see Ryan saying she's currently in her nursing program. They haven't said anything about it. Gene, yes, most doctors aren't aware of it. Totally true. And, you know, it's it's amazing because what a target for us to modulate things in our, and, you know, like promote our own health is like focusing on the ECS is a really great way to overall like function better. I saw in the chat too that um, Ryan was asking, how is this PEA? So let me tell you, I started taking this because I had just done like kind of an extended uh, tolerance break from, THC and, and CBD. So I was supporting my endocannabinoid system with the PEA and it really did, I think, help me a lot. Um, you know, and I'm going to continue taking it during that time because, you know, just a quick bit, when we're talking about balance and stuff with cannabis, you know, I, I really like CBD, something like a tincture as a daily supplement. It does help your endocannabinoid system. THC is a little bit more tricky. The more you use it, um, it kind of can affect your body in the way that your body is getting the, the cannabinoids in there. So you, um, you know, the, the higher doses you use, you could be seeing a down regulation of the cannabis receptors, which means they'll pop back in. You're going to have less available CB1 receptors to, for this THC to bind to, um, your body is saying, okay, enough's enough. Right. So like, um, that will happen. And then to compensate for this extra, cannabinoids that's going around your body, your endocannabinoid production is going to kind of slow down. So when you're using THC, you want to be careful to um, try to go for that lowest effective dose. If you're using too much of it, you kind of burn your system out. You're going to downregulate your system. And so you're kind of limiting your own endocannabinoid production. So like if you're, if you're someone that can do a tolerance break, which I don't recommend that for all my patients, but for me, I know it's a good thing. So, you know, this is something that you can, in addition to CBD, I wouldn't, you know, I just circumstances meant that I wasn't using this, but this, um, PEA is a really good supplement that you can use to support your endocannabinoid system. If you're trying to cut back on THC, give yourself a reset, highly recommend. Um, so um, anyways, I sorry guys, I'm looking at the chat again. I will definitely give the link to the PEA. And thank you, Donna, just shared a TED talk on the ECS given by an MD. Do you know which one this is, Donna? Um, I know there's a good one. Oh yeah, Rachel Knox, that's what I was gonna say. It's a great one. We'll link that for you guys as well. That's so great. Um, totally cool. So yeah, that, she's somebody that you should definitely follow. She is... Um, one of the founders of the um, ACAM, which is Association of Cannabis Health Equity and Medicine. They're, they put out some great educational stuff. So that's someone to follow. And she talks a lot about cannabis mimetics, which are foods, things, practices that mimic the endocannabinoids that we have. Um, so we'll add some of her stuff in when we send you guys some resources following, following this event. Um, but Dr. Knox is someone to follow for sure. And just to chime in on that, um, Ryan, like you were saying, you're currently in school and this isn't being taught. And so this is where a lot of advocacy comes in. And I 
when I actually just was listening to this talk by Rachel Knox, which I'm not positive if that's the one that Don is referring to, but she was sharing that it's her personal goal that the ECS is going to be in textbooks. And so we still have that gap to bridge where now conversations around cannabis are maybe part of nursing continuing education. So that may be a way to supplement with current studies and to be able to connect to other practitioner communities who are engaging. Awesome. Donna and I, we, we sometimes connect in our thinking. So I'm, I'm so glad we picked up on that together. Um, yes, that is such a good one, Donna. And, uh, and uh, really has some 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 very simple pillars for understanding the ECS. So uh, hopefully that comes sooner than later where this information is incorporated. But I think also because so many approaches to health and wellness are siloed, just like most pharmaceutical, um, most people who work with pharmaceuticals aren't necessarily thinking about other wraparound services that include social and emotional well-being. Um, so really kind of having this uh, comprehensive approach is great. And I see a question from Donna. So please, Donna, join us. I just really wanted to thank you all for this because I think the, uh, the Trinity approach of the mind, body, and spirit, and you all um, looking at it from a clinical aspect, but I wanted to bring a really big elephant in the room is, is covid like I am actually um, dealing with long COVID and literally so many of the products that you all talked about, I ended up having to rely on because there is nothing and these things were natural and I couldn't take a chance on any medicines. But this is even more important now as we're dealing with something that they're saying is going to be with us forever. And I'm like, it COVID impacts the entire body and they're realizing that. So you all having this explanation like this, I was just jumping out my seat because I'm like, do they know how powerful this is in this moment? So thank you. Thank you, Donna. And I'm, you know, we're hoping to be hearing from Donna more soon. She and I, and I'll talk to you after this, but I, um, Donna is somebody that um, I'm hoping that will come on here as a guest and speak to us um, about some of these experiences that she's had with the medical system. So um, totally, I think that, you know, what we've all gone through for COVID and there's so many more people suffering from long-term symptoms of COVID than, you know, I think even maybe realize it. Um, and, you know, it is all kind of getting back to basics though, of supporting our bodies, you know, not just our endocannabinoid systems, our full nervous systems, our whole bodies, you know, with this good, healthy food, with, you know, exercise that makes us feel good with, you know, supplementing in a way that it makes sense. And, you know, and if you're choosing to use something like cannabis, you know, doing it in a way that's optimal for the endocannabinoid system. Cause you know, there's, there's, there's strategies to use it well. And I think that that's, you know, what, what I love doing and, you know, and then not to, you know, deny though, the, the power of, you know, kind of, you know, Beth's area, mental health and stress and how much chronic stress impacts us and how much, um, you know, really doing, you know, therapy, um, meditation, you know, yoga, things that, um, like Donna mentioned, like, you know, not just mental, but mental and spiritual 
health, it, it can make a big impact. And well, it's drawing the connection between all these systems, right? It's drawing the connection that like what we intellectually understand and can cognitively understand about what we're going through and what we're experiencing and really recognize how disconnected we are from our physical experience and the stress hormones that are being released in our body and how that is creating these systemic responses and causing dysregulation or, or problematic behaviors are a result of dysregulation and really starting to use psychoeducation along with somatic and mindfulness practices, along with like, um, you know, regulating emotional experiences and, and building that sense of felt safety and trust and relationship that folks can experience, you know, an increase in their overall health, but it, it can't happen just, it, I, it can't just be therapy. It can't just be prescription yeah. drugs. It can't just be food. It has to really at least be a part and awareness of like all of our various needs in our system and how to stay regulated in light of a lot of dysregulating experience True. over the last couple of years, especially, and now compromised health experiences. And on top of what we, you know, are already dealing with day to day as humans. And with a complex issue, it's like an integrated approach is what is needed. And the ECS is our ally in that. You know, I think that's the thing we want to drive home is like, this is a powerful tool for you when you understand what it is and, you know, how you can support yourself with whatever your goals are. And there's, there's ways to do it, you know, but, but know that that, you know, there's this genius little system functioning in your body, really working every second to second on demand, managing every sensation, every, you know, need ever, every function. And it's really the ECS. It is connected to every body system. So an internal mother. <laughs> yes. M mommy dearest, the ECS. Maybe to be mindful of our time. Yes. Oh, yes. It's, it's time. Um, Sarah, do you want to wrap us up? Sure. I, I will. Um, so uh, with this kind of high powering system that we have, that we talked about crossing all these different areas in our lives, I also want to acknowledge how we can get started at any point. And sometimes it can be, you know, a really low lift. Our endocannabinoid system is ready to respond to us. So just like Beth mentioned with bringing in awareness, the awareness that you have of your system is the gateway to boosting your system through any number of practices. And uh, for today, I was actually thinking a little bit more about laughter. And um, so I would love for all of us to make a commitment to ourselves that we are going to tap into some joy today. So whether that is reading a funny joke or watching a video that makes us laugh or laughing with a friend, or maybe if we've forgotten how to laugh or it's been a long time since we laughed, watching other people laugh and experience joy and humor can be a reminder of how to do it. So my call for action today would be let's all take just a moment right now and think about what is one thing that you can do for yourself today that will bring you joy. So just take about five seconds to think about it. The first thing that comes up is perfect. 
And then taking a moment to commit to yourself that you will do that. And if you're having a hard time thinking of something, I'd like to offer up gratitude as a way to experience joy. And so that can be in the form of expressing thanks to somebody in your life or being thankful for something that you have. And so for my close today, I will express my gratitude that I am thankful for the opportunity to be in community, having these types of conversations together. I am thank you, uh, thankful for you all sharing this lunchtime hour. And I'm just thankful that these conversations are happening more and more because we are just one micro community coming together. And this conversation is not something that could be had without everybody who's in the room here today. So um, in gratitude and uh, also grace for letting us go a couple minutes over the hour. We look forward to seeing you soon. And Katie has a plug for our next conversation. Yes. And I, let me let me share my screen one last time. Let's see if I can do it. Here it is. Um, so we're going to be trying to do this monthly, but because of the holiday, uh, Thanksgiving, we're going to end Christmas. We're going to do one combined session for November and December on December 1st. Um, we're going to be talking about complex PTSD. You can, um, if you go onto the Eventbrite page for this event, you can also see the topics and sign up to get reminders for any of the upcoming topics. And also, I would love if you guys would, um, you know, share with us any ideas you have for topics in the future. I, I, you know, there's so much we could talk about. So we'd love to, you know, know what you want to hear about and. And we will definitely provide a link and a synopsis and um, uh, send all that through email where you registered. Thank you so much for Thank being here. Thank you so much, everybody. And your patience with our learning our technical difficulties. <laughs> Hi, Hi, you guys. <laughs> Good to see you. Thank I you, everyone. I know. Hey. Cool. So we'll talk to all of you next month, December 1st, thank first you. Thursday this time. Thank you so much. Bye guys. Bye. Bye thank friends. you.